everyone, welcome back to That's the Spirit, the podcast where the senior editorial team sit down and talk about the spirit. Usually we run through our last issue, but today we're going to be talking to you about the sort of behind the scenes of the spirit. So if you're curious about student journalism, this is the place for you. We're going to be sharing and explaining our process in the hopes that it will act as an example both to other aspiring journalists who wish to start a publication of their own and also to existing publications who want to see how another place runs their paper and also to any SOAS students who are looking to join the spirit and would like to just see how it all works. We're also going to be providing writers with some useful tips and resources along the way. And we have a number of team members who are here to speak to you about their role. So we'll start out by introducing ourselves and our roles. We have two co-editors-in-chief, Louisa and Bassett. Do you guys want to explain what you do? My name is Louisa and I'm one of the co-editors-in-chief. And we basically brainstorm article ideas. We help writers develop their ideas. We work with the editorial board to ensure that deadlines are met by the section editors and we edit content and proofread and Bassett and I split this up so I do opinion and features and Bassett you can take it from here. So like Louisa said of course we do share uh, some areas of interest for example our duties also include identifying areas of interest especially in the news opinions and culture sections we also assign articles to writers and check in with them as they, as they settle deadline day approaches. We are a part of the senior editorial board, which has all its editorial uh, responsibilities. And we also oversee the layout of the print edition. So my role involves much of the same. We all do sort of the editorial aspect of it. Um, I think the thing that differentiates my role from the co-editors is the managing aspect. So I kind of, like Louisa's, called me before I'm like the helicopter parent so what I do is <laughs> I <laughs> I oversee the whole structure of the paper which we'll go into a wee bit uh, in a bit I run workshops I do a lot of communication with the SU and other sources I manage our finances I do most of the marketing for the paper in terms of our emails and reaching out to other people like the alumni network and such I think throughout this year, the three of us have really been working on strengthening and diversifying our online presence of the SOAS spirit, along with formulating strategies to ensure lasting organizational structure and good practice of the spirit. That's something that we're really passionate about is ethics behind the journalism. So the SOAS spirit has been around since, I think, 1933, but the spirit as we know it was actually only revived a few years ago by Ali Mitib. And since then, we've had Khadija, who was managing editor when I was in first year, Surat, who was managing editor when I was second year and co-editor-in-chief, and now we've had me. So yeah, it's been great to see how the spirit has really evolved because it is a very new publication. So what are our main values of the spirit, Malika? Yeah, so I think first and foremost... I'm really passionate about our journalistic independence. So we're independent from the SU, although we do receive information and funding from them. And I think that allows us to hold all aspects of the SOAS community accountable. Another thing we're really passionate about is being an inclusive and diverse platform that allows students to have a voice. So we want our content to be representative of the SOAS community at large and provide the students who work for us with valuable knowledge to hopefully close the gaps in the media industry because it is a notoriously difficult industry to enter and one that can be quite elitist. 
No, but that is so true. As in, why should uh, the spirit continue? You know, what is our value? Intrinsically, I think if the academic strata of any society forms its bedrock, then student journalists are sort of lodestars in the fact that we aren't bound by the usual constraints that usually bind big national news organizations. And so we are able to provide a unique context to many stories that perhaps big news outlets may miss because they fail to see the everyday effects of certain policies or practices and miss subtleties, which is only natural when you are such a behemoth, really. In that, in that way, I think we really do serve a role in society. Also, I think it's worth pointing out that most of these massive liberal news outlets that we see today in Europe and, Engl- and in England as well, their predecessors were actually student journalists who started their own sort of manifestos and um, journals and weekly newspapers of sorts before the right of freedom of speech was actually a constitutionally guaranteed right across Europe. So we see, for example, in the 19th century, after the liberal revolutions of 1848 in Germany and uh, before that in France, and then slowly in England as well, these student newspapers, after these students graduated and came out into the real world, they actually started getting financing for opening up news outlets. And so slowly they organized themselves and became these massive behemoths. And of course, there, there are intrinsic problems, again, in the massiveness or how big some of these news outlets are. But it's worth remembering that all of them started as, uh, most of them, in fact, started as news journalists. And the trend of speaking truth to power, like Malia just said, started on university campuses. I know that student journalism can be a really good stepping stone, like lots of different organizations scout from student journalists, such as the Student Publications Association. Like Maliha, I know that you recently got the Spirit and the Spirit's writers onto that, which is really exciting. Yeah, there are a number of resources available on the Student Publication Association's website. In terms of the Spirit's own resources, for those of you who are interested in building a career in journalism, I recently came up with a list of everything that I've kind of learned past few years and researching furiously to try and break into this industry. So if you head over to our Instagram at SOAS Spirit, you can find the link in our bio. And um, I know the News Associates sort of organization also recently scouted from various student newspapers and now is running workshops. So it's definitely a good way to sort of get you connected, get in the beginning stages of networking it's an excellent in, so I would advise everyone to try to get onto their paper in one way or another. And then in terms of where it can get you, Maliha, shining star, has a Vogue internship coming up. Yeah, so I entered into the Vogue business talent competition and somehow, by the grace of God, managed to win. So I have an internship with them this summer and my winning article is going to be published on the site. I was going to say, didn't you, you started out on the spirit with your fashion column and now you've kind of, that sort of become sort of your focus and now you're working for Vogue. So it's definitely a channel that can take you into your future direction in your career, you know. So Louisa, do you have any tips for any potential writers out there? I started out with a blog uh, a little bit. It's a common avenue. I feel like every English lit undergrad ever has a blog, but it's for a very good reason. I think it's kind of a good way to just sort of start out broad or express yourself and sort of really try to refine your writing. And that was kind of how I got into writing about the Black diaspora and LGBT plus issues. And then my other biggest tip for people is to just really get on Twitter and networking. And Malia's provided much of the same sort of accounts that I follow already in that journalism resource document that we have up. Basit, what tips do you have, though? 
Well, I'm writing since I was in school, really, um, for my then school publication. And then I sort of branched out and formed my own school publication. But that's a different story. I think at its core is that um, you've got to write your thoughts about things that stir you. That is the only way that you can actually become a good writer because you cannot fake it. I don't believe that you can fake it. The other thing I would say, which is very important, is just to publish and look for avenues where you can publish your thing. And it could be anything, like Louisa said, it could be on a blog, it could be on a third-party site, it could be with your university magazine like us, or there are so many student syndicates around the University of London, in fact, if you're a UK student, which would publish you. Yeah, I forgot to mention, you just reminded me, Bassett, that if you are lost for where to start with networking, it's great to start with your friends. You can just start uh, writing yourselves, you know, start your own sort of publication, or... They might have connections that you can work off of as well. I think that's a great starting point for anybody. Just work within your own community and just extend outwards gradually. My best advice would be to just, um, I guess, to just realize that people are actually very willing to help. I think people love to feel like an expert. They love to give advice. So yeah, just don't be afraid. And if you get turned down, don't take anything too personally. Just keep trying. What do you guys think is the most useful skill that we've learned since working on The Spirit? So I've really learned how to have conversations with people who are in positions that are a lot higher up than I am. Everyone from, you know, the student union to the director of SOAS himself. I think for me, it was mostly people management. Probably the most important thing I learned was definitely communication with people in general. I think that applies to people you're leading and people that you're interviewing or reaching out to, sourcing. I think that is some skills that I've really refined from working on the spirit. Because it's a quarterly publication, I think it's helped me learn how to sort of pitch ideas that will still be interesting in a couple of weeks because there's a slight delay for when our writers write and to when we publish. I think that's been really useful. But at the same time, it helped me refine my skills or get better at reaching tight deadlines because our writers turnaround is really tight. So yeah, it's kind of like a combination of like working with a tight deadline, but also writing articles that will still be interesting, even if there is a slight delay. Yeah, so like Louisa said, our timeline is notoriously tight. We start out by first having a meeting with the senior ed team. We talk through feedback for the next issue. And we also brainstorm any article ideas that we particularly want in the the issue. So from there, we have a meeting with all the section editors and they come to us with their ideas for their pitches at brainstorm meeting. From there, writers pick up the section editors' pitches or they can pitch their own articles. And we usually give them about four or five days. And from there, the section editors take over again and they edit for a couple of days. Then we move on to the copy editors who have another couple of days. And then it goes on to the senior ed team. So the co-eds first have a look over the articles and I do one final proofread slash edit of every single article. And it takes me hours. <laughs> and I do it all at once. and I don't know why I don't split it up. But once I've done that, then it moves to Anna, who is the general manager of the student union. And she looks through just to make sure we haven't gotten any facts wrong or gotten herself into legal trouble. And from there, we move on to putting the articles in layout and scheduling them to go online. And then we market them on social media. So to start, we're joined by one of our section editors, our SOAS news editor, Pickle, along with one of our frequent writers, Lara, who's also our social media coordinator. Pickle, do you want to tell me a bit more about the brainstorm process? 
Yeah, sure. So SOAS News is such a cool section. I've said this before in another podcast that we've done. So there's no other publication in the world that has a section dedicated to SOAS News. So in that sense, going to the brainstorms is really exciting because we are coming up with these articles that are very unlikely to be reported anywhere else. So in brainstorm, I try and work that into the pitches to the writers to get them excited about the idea that they'll be investigating and reporting on these stories that unless they do that work, those stories won't get out there and they won't be heard um and that includes talking to sources directly and these are real people with real lives who are impacted by the articles we're writing about and I think that's a really unique opportunity and something that's quite exciting for writers but I know it can be quite daunting and I know it can be quite daunting to be a writer showing up those brainstorms which is definitely what I found when I first joined the SOAS spirit as a writer last year but that is definitely gone as soon as you chat to the editors that feeling kind of you lose it immediately and yeah it's definitely a lot more inclusive we want everyone to write for the SOAS spirit and we want to get as many writers on board as possible and there's a huge system of support you're emailed almost straight away with all the details for your article with information to kind of kickstart you and yeah as an editor myself I really try and stay in touch with my writers to make sure they know that I'm here throughout the process and they can check back in with me if they need a bit more time or they need help reaching out to a source that's there for them if they need. On the investigative news point that you've mentioned, Pickle, I was at a talk recently where like a senior editor at a big publication was like, so many newspapers actually get their first information, their first tip off from student publications. So if you're looking for like some original reporting, SOAS News is definitely the section to do it. And we get a lot of firsthand access because of our contacts and close proximity to everything that's happening. So... Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's different from the international news and national news sections where you're reporting on news stories that are almost always already researched or investigated or published. Whereas in SOAS News, you are the only person that's going to break that article. Um, And that's why I hate to see a story die in SOAS News because you do know that it it kind of dies with our publication and it's not going to get picked up necessarily. But at the same time, we also have the opportunity to report more in depth on articles that do get picked up about SOAS by bigger publications like The Guardian or the BBC. Again, because of our proximity, there's this opportunity to investigate and really get to the bottom of stuff that has an impact on real people. And the people who read our articles share it. And we've seen that this year and they you know, publish it around. We've had the opportunity to break news about SOAS keeping classes online. Uh, And yeah, that has real impacts on real people. And without us reporting on it, no one would read it. I think one of the pieces that stands out most to me that Lara's written was the piece about canteen staff being cut. Can you run me through that process? I know you did quite a bit of independent research and you even got your own photos. So it was an interesting article in terms of sourcing. Yeah, so actually, at first, I didn't really know much about the canteen staff cut. So that's really where investigative journalism came into play. So I actually spoke to one of the members of staff who was affected by the cut. And he was actually able to find another role at SOAS. But I think it just really brought home to me how much, you know, without the SOAS news section, we might not realise the things happening close to us in our community and how they are affecting people around us. So that was really interesting. And I felt 
as well that especially during the pandemic with us not being on campus it's kind of you know the the SOAS news section is like one of the main ways that we can actually find out more and stay in touch with what's happening. I actually ended up social distance of course going to meet one of the the people who I interviewed and was able to take some photos of him uh, on campus for the article. With the SOAS news section you really feel a sense of responsibility because this is the first place where it's being reported but yeah that was that was I would say one of my my favorite articles to write from this year. And what do you think is the best or most valuable skill that you've learned from writing for The Spirit this year, Lara? Um, I would say definitely interviewing people and just finding the the right questions to ask, but also you know just listening to people's stories and letting those stories speak through my writing. And what about you Pickle sort of transitioning from a writer last year to now an editor what have you learned along the process? Yeah I think it's really cool especially in a news section when you go from writing to being an editor because all of a sudden you have all these kind of larger ambitions for articles and larger ambitions for the section in general and yeah definitely that's a lot of the investigative work and I think the canteen cuts is a great example of that because I pitched it uh, and Lara picked it up and I was hoping that maybe Lara would be able to get in get into contact with some of the people affected but I thought that's that's going to be really tricky because you know these aren't students that we know we don't know if these people have social media presences or emails that we can get in touch to you know that's real kind of investigative work trying to get into contact with people that you have no prior contact with uh, and Lara came back with this like really powerful article about how cuts at SOAS have impacted people's livelihoods that it's not just about school politics or school drama but it's about you know real people and their lives and their jobs and losing those jobs um, so yeah it's great to see those kind of ambitions come to life in that really powerful journalism. Today we're also joined by one of our copy editors, Adila, and we actually have three copy editors, so it's nice to have one of them here to discuss the process. So Adila, what is your experience as a copy editor? Great, thanks. Hey everyone, thanks for having me. As Emily has said, I'm one of the copy editors. I overlook the sections on features and sports and societies. And my role is that I look over the articles that are sent through and check to see if the structure is all correct, what the grammatical style is, um, and just to ensure that they're meeting the newspaper standards. So what's the most common mistake that you tend to pick up on? Because I know that the section editors kind of deal with content a bit more, whereas the copy editors, you guys are dealing a lot with more like the language and the actual grammar, the way that the ideas are expressed. So what have you noticed? Right, yeah. So what I've noticed, I think it's to do with long sentences that generally come up. I think this is something I fall in the trap to and I have to be cautious of when I'm writing. But when it comes to like sentences, ensuring that it's not too wordy so that when a reader is engaging with the text that they receive the information, you know, they don't have to read more than they have to. 
Definitely. I think a lot of writers are probably in essay mode. So it's nice that we have the copy editors there to provide a lot of comfort. I think also a lot of writers are nervous about having to write for a newspaper if they've never done that before. So it's nice to know that we have these various levels of editors who can help along the way. Definitely, definitely. I remember when I was writing in my second year, I did fall in that trap. And when I looked back, (laughs) I used to look back at the um, edits after the newspaper was published and realise, yeah, okay, this part could have been changed. I totally understand. That's interesting, actually, that you've had that experience both as a writer and now as a copy editor and sort of realising where you, not went wrong, but which bits you would change now. Yeah, definitely. It's, It's always fun. I've always found it fun to look back on my work and see how other people would write or what change they would make. It always helps having a second person to look over your work. Yeah, definitely. It's nice that the writers can also track the feedback that they're getting and make the changes then in the future. Yes, exactly. We're also joined here today by one of our online editors. We've got Annika with us. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your role? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Annika. I'm in my third year of undergraduate at SOAS. I study Chinese and I joined this year in September as an online editor for The Spirit. Basically, what I've been doing this year is uploading all of our articles to the website in time for like the issue when it's released. I think it's been really important this year given the pandemic and that we can't be on campus as a way to like keep the articles being read and keep everyone engaged with the spirit. It's good fun like I get to read through all the articles before they go out which is really nice and kind of see the editing processes that have gone on behind them. So I normally take about a third of the articles each issue. Nice. And did you have experience before with WordPress? So WordPress is what we use for our website. Yeah, I used to do like work on a small community blog. But again, it was just literally just up- uploading the articles. I've been given a bit more free reign with the spirit, but it wasn't all new to me, which was good. So yeah, I've been able to learn and I'm still doing that blog with the community. So like I've been able to use them together to improve both things, which is nice. Tell us about like the specific processes involved with online editors for anyone thinking of joining the online editing team next year. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the online editors will kind of receive the article after all the other editors have checked it. And what we'll do is put it into WordPress, put the headlines in one font, put the pull quotes in the right place in the article so they really stand out for the reader. And then we'll take the image that's been chosen by the writer and add that in to the article so it comes out on the front. We'll make sure the image has got a caption and credit, add the, all of that in, and then just space out the article so it makes it easy for the reader to read on the website. And it's quite a lot about visuals, just making it all really easy to use and just checking it all through one last time. Um, We have to work on quite a tight deadline. So we'll get the articles a few days before the issue is going to be released. And we want to get those all in for their final check, like the night before the issue. Yes. Do we schedule them so that they're ready to go up that morning? Yeah. Yeah. So they can all go up at exactly the same time. It's quite organized. It's just like, like, it's been a really great way to get to like learn a bit more about the back end of journalism, like, and all the kind of processes involved. I think if you're really interested in journalism, it's important to not just know about writing, but also understand like what everyone's doing in the publishing of an article or a paper. And given the digital world we live in, things like WordPress and stuff are becoming more and more important. And I just, that's for me, like, it's a 
simple skill that I've had the opportunity through the spirit to kind of pick up and work on and like it's one of those things that people think oh I'll be able to do it but just to have that practice I think really helps and then if you do decide to go into journalism you'll you can just it's something you can add on and say look I can offer this as well and you kind of like understand as a writer how to go about writing as well just because you know all of these processes that have to go on so you'll make sure you you meet the deadlines stuff like that also joined today by one of our layout editors now layout is right at the end of the spirit process and it involves creating the pdf that a lot of you guys get sent out and we use indesign adobe indesign to lay out the articles and the photos and the headlines and all these various elements of each individual story so we're joined here by annie annie do you want to introduce yourself and tell us how you got started in layout uh, yeah, my name is Annie. I'm a master's student at SOAS, obviously, and the SOAS Spirit Instagram posted that they needed a layout editor, and I just messaged them, and yeah, that's how I signed up. It's very easy, and I'm really glad I was able to join the SOAS Spirit. Yeah, so I know that when you joined, I'm not sure, did you have InDesign experience before? when you joined? No, I didn't. And I prefaced when I applied that I had zero experience, but it just sounded like something that would be fun. And it's kind of like a puzzle and you try to fit all the pieces together. And I love puzzles. So it just sounded like (laughs) fun, (laughs) fun way to get involved. If that's not like too nerdy. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like you in particular picked it up so quickly. I was really looking for more people to join our team and was thrilled when Maxine, Annie and obviously Bassett joined in later as well. And we ran a workshop for layout and I don't think anyone there had previous experience with InDesign. So how did you find it learning how to use InDesign? Like, have you used anything similar like Photoshop before or was it all completely fresh? I had not. I have friends from my undergraduate degree and they've used Photoshop and I've watched them use it and was like amazed by their talent because I had no idea what they were doing. (laughs) But I think your workshop was like super straightforward and made it super easy. Like I feel like I was able to um, catch on so quickly because you explained it just so well. So yeah, it would give you like big props for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm flattered. Basit, you've also done layout before for us. Do you want to talk about your experience with it is it is um, an, inc- an incredibly rewarding experience and obviously very, made very easy by our managing editors experience and tutorials but i think the job itself is uh incredibly consequential because you are putting in place a page that other people will read and you have incredible control over the size of the image perhaps or uh, where you put what paragraph or if the story is on the le- left or the right or if the leading images are where it needs to be you have incredible power on how to facilitate the reader's experience whilst they are sifting through our editions so that's something to keep to be mindful of and incredibly rewarding as well how easy is InDesign to use so I think the way that we do InDesign at the Spirit is fairly easy because the the template is already set up whereas I know if you're setting up your own template and designing a newspaper from scratch that's a lot more difficult So it's pretty accessible for anybody looking to join next year. Yeah, definitely. So like for us, we're putting together the pieces of the puzzle rather than making a new puzzle from scratch. So unlike some of our other team members, our social media coordinators work all the way through the timeline that I've just described. So we have two social media coordinators, Lara and Denise, and 
as some of you may know, the spirit is active across three platforms primarily. So we're most active on Instagram and we also use Twitter and Facebook. So Denise and Lara, do you guys want to introduce yourself? Sure, I'm Lara and I'm fourth year studying Chinese. Um, hey, I'm Denise. I'm doing my master's now in environment, politics and development. Yeah, so you two came on to the Spirit team actually a bit later than some of our other members. You guys came, I think, right after Christmas for our third issue of the year. So since then, what do you think you guys have enjoyed most about your time at the Spirit? I think it's been really exciting just being able to use the platform to connect with students through the Spirit, uh, especially with the pandemic. Social media has definitely become really important in terms of getting information out there. Yeah, and it's been really fun to like create content and use the functions on Instagram, such as Reels, to try and promote the Spirit. It's been a very good skill that I've been developing that uh, we learned to create um, engaging text, images, the video content, as Laura mentioned, uh, with design posts, which I've always, it's, a, it's always been a field that I wanted to go into. And also during the pandemic, it also gives me a great activity to engage with um, other students uh, from SOAS. And uh, I also get more insight into the articles because once you're posting them about on social media, you actively, you know, search for new articles and um, talk to other people. So it's been it's been a very fun experience. So when you guys both joined, we kind of tasked you guys with remaking the look, particularly of our Instagram feed. Do you guys want to walk me through the process? What is it like from start to finish when you when you hear about the idea as it's given to you from the senior ed team? to the final post that all of our readers see? Um, so basically we will maybe discuss ideas together first or different posts that we can do or different styles of content. And then Louise will put that onto the spreadsheet. And then from there, it's kind of timetabled as to when more post um, and uh, where we decide different captions as well. And then recently, to in order to promote our final brainstorm meeting, because I'm currently close to the SOAS campus, I was able to go there um, and get some footage and then from there on put together the reel. And then I think we, we had quite a lot of people at the brainstorm meeting, so I'm hoping that helped promote it to some extent. But yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to do. Yeah, I agree with Laura that uh, we also are, uh, two of us are um, quite in contact with each other, that we constantly send each other the post beforehand. So what we do as a process is that I very much like uh, Louisa's uh, spreadsheet. It's very organized. So every day we know uh, what to post from the morning. It's either a.m. or p.m. Um, uh, so it's all on the list, what we need to post for Instagram and what we need to post for Twitter. Um, in order to make the content, to make it more engaging and visually appealing, we have our uh, color codes that we want to stick to. Uh, for Instagram, we use a lot of Canva, uh, this, um, yeah, this platform called Canva that we could uh, kind of have some uh, a bit of fun in graphic designing, I guess. And then usually, so uh, we're also doing a bit of trying and like 
what works and what doesn't work. So we started with, um, we wanted to make some polls in the beginning, such as like questions. We wanted people to answer such questions. And then we realized that on Instagram, it didn't work, that people weren't answering the questions that we were asking. So we changed our format a bit. So on stories, we, we went with a question uh, in a form of polls. So we did um, simpler yes and no questions. And for the last one, I think we had a lot of engagement to that. So which is kind of good for us that we see what our readers and what our like followers are thinking about our articles. So that's one thing that we want to focus, I think, in general, to get their ideas and get their opinions and uh, integrate it into into spirits, uh, agendas and like values. Yeah, definitely. It's been interesting to see the development of the spirits content strategy in the sense that when I joined the senior editor positions when I was in second year as co-editor-in-chief, I think we only had about I think just over 400 followers and we got barely any engagement. So over the past few years, I've seen just so much growth and it's been very trial and error, but now we have around, I think, over a thousand followers and we're getting more and more engagement every day, even on the last Instagram polls that we did about graduation ceremonies. We had, I think, over 250 people answering, which is just amazing to see. Yeah, not even for SOAS, I mean, SOAS students, but a lot of my friends that don't go to SOAS have been following SOAS Spirit as well because they very much like the content and the articles, the topics that we're covering. So I think that's a really good um, um, way to go as well. Not only SOAS students, but other um, students from other universities are also following SOAS Spirit, which is amazing. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and that you liked hearing about the process behind the spirit. I just want to personally thank everyone who has gotten involved in the spirit this year, whether that means you liked one of our posts on Instagram or joined one of our polls or whether you wrote for the spirit yourself or even were part of our editorial team. It's just been an absolute honor and I've learned so much from you all. Also, a special thank you to our sound designer, David Vade, who wrote and recorded all of the music you've heard in this episode from home. If you'd like to be part of the Spirit next year, keep an eye out for our application process, which will open up in July. So if you sign up to our mailing list, which you can find in our Instagram bio, you'll be notified when we send those out. I'm Malika Shoaib, and this has been That's the Spirit. I didn't get to see, see you next time. You don't get to see you next time. Ah, <laughs> so, so sad. sad. Oh, my God.